The most dangerous game in the universe is to govern from an oracular base. We do not consider ourselves wise enough or brave enough to play that game. The measures detailed here for regulation in lesser matters are as near as we dare venture to the brink of government. For our purposes, we borrow a definition from the Bene Gesserit, and we consider the various worlds as gene pools, sources of teachings and teachers, sources of the possible. Our goal is not to rule, but to tap these gene pools, to learn, and to free ourselves from all restraints imposed by dependency and government. The Orgy as Tool of Statecraft, Chapter 3 of the Steersman Guild. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we are going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. Hey, how's it going, Evan? How's your day going? Pretty good. Okay, so there's a famous chapter in this book, right? And uh, I think this is it. There's, there's this several. Is, this there's, is the famous chapter? There, there are several famous chapters. In this book, but this one is uh, one of them. Can you guess why this one is a famous chapter? It's pretty um, controversial. Gonna have to say because he compares himself to Hitler, and then he talks about Hitler as if he were like a cute little wannabe killer. Yeah, like yeah. he he. Uh, is diminutive about Hitler, which is just nuts. Right. Right. He talks about Genghis Khan too, but it's just the Hitler thing is just like, we always, I don't know. We read, right. Cause we, Geng- Genghis Khan doesn't, doesn't like ring a bell for us. It's like so far in our past. Right. Right. And like Hitler is still, you know, there's still world war two vets kicking around. You know, so it's like, like I'm closer to home. I think we still watch World War II documentaries on a fairly regular basis to understand right. how bad World War II was. Well, like Genghis Khan, what do we? There's no. We almost look up to him at how much good he did for the world. <laughs> or like Alexander the Great, yeah, right? or certain Roman features. It's, it's like... just a yeah. It's a far away distant historical figure kind of thing no all right yeah yeah exactly exactly that's that's what's i don't know this is it's a big chapter so thank you everyone for joining us for this absolutely crazy chapter where paul um compares himself to hitler uh i got this email from carl johnson that i want to read real fast let's do it he says hello my name is carl and I'm still catching up with you guys. I just got to book three in Dune. So you know what? He's about to hit the good stuff. So Carl, when you get to this this chapter, this infamous chapter, know this is for you. Wait, he's 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 reading through for the first time. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we'll get to that. Hold up. Okay, okay, sorry. He sorry. says he's listening to the podcast. Okay. So this has been an interesting experience for me. I was first introduced to Dune through the RTS game, Dune 2000, when I was eight. which there's now a new uh, Dune RTS game coming out, I think very soon. So it's kind of of cool. He also said, my parents had a huge Dune poster floating around in their house, so I kind of always knew what Dune was. Mm -hmm. I first read the book in my late teenage years, and I just remember being impatient to see worms in the war from my video games. And I was disappointed the action wasn't what I envisioned, which is totally fair. Frank has like zero action, in the novel, <laughs> it's just conversations between people all the time. Right. It's all the in-between scenes that would be in a movie. <laughs> it's exactly it. All the action happens off camera. Yeah. Um, he says, I, uh, but I feel that I never got to feel the magic of reading it for the first time and discovering this world. But now I feel like I'm experiencing that vicariously through Evan reading it. And it's Aww. been such a fun ride. That's nice. My favorite parts of Dune are when the worm's involved. Obviously. 
it's not like they're a villain, but they're an ever-present danger in the back of mm-hmm. everyone's mind. Whenever a worm shows up, it's at minimum awe-inspiring. Never read past Dune in the series. I'm excited to see what happens with my water-hating friends, the Fremen. Also, it'll be interesting when you read this in the next episode and then me finding out where you are now. I can't wait to join the community. I'm just scared for spoilers. Hope you're still spicy, Carl. <laughs> so Thanks, Carl. Thank you, Carl. If you want to just hang out with us, there's lots of ways to do so. Twitter, at Reading Dune. Email us, us at readingdune.gmail.com. You can support the show, patreon.com slash readingdune. You can go to readingdune.com and like write us, buy merch. Lots of people have bought mugs. In fact... Oh, yeah, the mug. The mug. The mug. You know, okay, here's an interesting fact because we see all the stats come in. I think we have had more females buy merch from us. And yeah. I And I know that the majority of our listener base is male. So, dudes... Where you at? Where you at? Got to pick up some slack here. Um, and where else can people hang out with us? Oh, the Discord. Discord. Discord, Discord is, is a good a good spot. The Discord is the spot. If you are any reading any part of Dune, we are there to talk with you all the time. That is the place to be. Right. Right. All right. Are you ready to dig into this chapter? I think so. Not a lot happens, but a lot is said, I guess. <laughs> it's a conversation chapter yeah. for sure. Um, so let's just talk about this quote real quick. We have chapter three of the Steersman's Guild. Um, I still, this is like may maybe my Protestant uh, sense um, sensibilities, but whenever the word orgy is used, I get a little <laughs> uncomfortable. So orgy as a tool of statecraft was like what? Um. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> uh, oh man! But what? Yeah, it's it's the way when they kind of talk about this in the chapter, right? How if we just rely on prescience alone, it will lead to our ultimate doom. So they kind of borrow from the Bene Gesserit in teaching us about gene pools and the intermixing of the human species, which mm-hmm. happens through sexual intercourse. And making of babies. That's how the human race survives, making more babies. And I just, I don't know. That's, that's how the Benary Gesserit have learned to manipulate and to govern is through um, the sexuality of human nature. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the most interesting part about this quote for me was reading through it. And then getting to the end and I read, you know, like I read the, I read the quote. I was like, Oh, okay. The orgy has a stool as a tool of statecraft. I assumed the next thing would say from the writings of Muhadib. Oh, right. It didn't. It Mm -hmm. said from the steersman guild. Right. Yes. So like reading through that whole quote, I was picturing it being said by, by Paul or by Aaliyah or somebody like something related to the Atreides mm-hmm. Muad'Dib situation. Right. And then it was like a twist at the end was like, Nope, this is what the, ste- uh, what the steersman believe. And I was like, Oh, which is, it could have yeah. been either way, really. Which is funny because what was it in, in the chapter, Irulan or not. And then like the, in our plotters chapter, Irulan looks at Edric and was, wonders about his sexual preferences Mm. like how do they have how do they procreate they don't procreate they just recruit new people they're fish people in tanks so they can see everything but they can't like make more of them without more humans and so they've like have this weird interplay that they use the Bene Gesserit for um yeah and that they're not trying to govern they're just trying to observe and manipulate that way. So I was like, hmm. Which is, I guess, uh, goes right into our chapter here. So this chapter starts in Paul's reception salon. And here we have Edric, our boy, our fish, our fishman Edric, talking to yep. Paul. And Edric uses a laser pointer, probably from the inside of his tank or something, and points <laughs> to a place on the map 
And there's a map hanging on the wall. Of... Edric is such a nerd. <laughs> he has a laser pointer tucked just... into his calculator watch. Like <laughs> you never know when you might use it. Well, it's I mean, his, you... it's in his pocket protector. You know, he also can't like touch anything. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's kind of hard. So he he points to the map and he's like, "Is this where your blah, 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 father died?" <laughs> This is going to be so much blubbing. <laughs> I'm sorry. In this, in this chapter. I just started and I can't stop. Blah, blah, blah. Paul looks at the jeweled marker on the map. That's the shrine of my father. My father died a prisoner in the Harkonnen frigate in the sink below us. Oh, yes. Blah, 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 blah. I recall the story now. Something about killing the old Baron Harkonnen. He's a mortal enemy. Edric was feeling claustrophobic being in this tiny room, yeah. he rolled over in his tank to look at Paul, who is sitting alone on the couch. Paul continues in a dry tone. My sister killed the Baron just before the Battle of Arakeen. Paul was wondering, why does this fishman bring up this memory now? Like, this isn't the most pleasant memory in the world. Talking about, like, where my dad died... How he like failed to kill the Baron. Yeah. How my little sister had to clean it up. Like, it's a little weird. Edric was losing the battle to contain his nervous energies. Gone was the languid fish motions of the earlier encounter. I had to look up what uh, languid means. Do you know what that means, Evan? English, English lesson time. Uh, I don't know. I assumed uh, fish, fish like, smooth. <laughs> Yeah, it's of a person, manner, or gesture to displaying or having an, a disinclination for physical exertion or effort. Slow and relaxed. Yeah, just chilling. Yes. Just vibey fish vibes. Yeah, so he was vibey when they were in the, like the gray grand hall throne room, right? Mm -hmm. Where he was, it was more professional. He was using a translator, all this stuff. That's all gone. We've got now Edric on ADHD mode who is just... A little nervous to be talking to Muhadib, if we're honest. Right, right. And he's he's fully ready for this intellectual conversation. This is what he's been waiting for. Edric's eyes dashed back and forth as he was looking for something. Edric had a single attendant with him. Paul didn't like that guy. He was hulking, thick neck, thick neck, blunt faced. Who is the guy, Evan? Who's the bad guy? It's uh, Sightail. Skitale. Yeah. It's Sightail, which we just call an aide. That's, but I like I love how he's just straight out named. Right. Well well, apparently like the steersman named him, like said who he said what his name was, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, which I always think is very interesting that we just say his name outright. But then again, if he can change his face. Like, what's that matter? Like, for instance, I can change my name on the internet. It's still me. Yeah, but there's no imp there's no imperial Facebook. You're right. You know, like they're not. I hope not. Gosh. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Their side tail there. The aide had a stupid face on. Their but their eyes betrayed everything. Right. Because no matter how stupid his face is, if like he's being sneaky, like. Paul was going to be able to tell if he's dumb or smart from just like the way he moves. Right. Yeah. If anybody, Paul would know, right. right. He's all that Benny Gesserit training in him. Right. Edric seeing Paul's displeasure with the aide said, your concubine appeared to enjoy the performance of the face dancers. Blah, 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 blah. It pleased me that I could provide that small entertainment. I particularly enjoyed her reaction to seeing her own features simultaneously repeated by the whole troop. Blah, 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 blah weird so paul thought back to the performance in the great hall dancers in costume a parade of kings emperors jokes with paul's own face and body so can you tell me what are you envisioning right now when you see a troop of face dancers i mean just like uh a little parade of people like just constantly changing into different people like a wave of people just transforming yeah. back and forth. I mean, when he said troop, I th I pictured kind of like a like a theatrical 
yes kind of thing uh-huh right like their their job is to go on tour pretending to be you know like doing i think of like the circus yeah yeah, yeah. like a like a like a weird uh, shape-shifting Cirque du Soleil kind of situation. Yeah. yeah. And then, and you imagine just being like Paul and then they all like mimic Chani. Also, I don't like how Edric just said, your concubine appeared to enjoy the performances. I got a little offended right. for Paul. I was like, what do you mean, concubine? What do you mean? <laughs> right. It's like technically what she is, but like, I don't like how you said it. I don't like how you said that, sir. <laughs> Paul questions if it's wise to accept gifts like the face dancers show. Right. Because, well, the last gift they gave, the Gola, known as hate, uh, is here yes. with one purpose, to destroy Paul. Mm -hmm. Edric protests. Destroy your sire. No one can destroy a god. Blah, 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 blah. Stilgar now walks into the room. Just as Edric had said, no one can destroy a god. And he immediately starts glaring at the guards, like, do something about this fish man. <laughs> Still is always on edge, even if it was like Fred Rogers could be in there. <laughs> and Stilgar would be like, well, do something about this kind man. <laughs> Paul just lifts a hand saying, it's all right, Still. Just a friendly discussion. Actually, let's move the steersman tank, the steersman's tank closer to my side of the couch. Stilgar did not like this, but did it anyways. He pushed the container's take tank with the aid closer to Paul. I spent on the floor there. It's squeaking. I thought it was like floating. I know. I just thought it'd be better if it just squeaked in that moment. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. It helps. Yeah. Stilgar did not like the way the tank felt, nor the heavy smell of melange around it. Yeah, I liked it. Said, um, where does it say it when he moves them? Do, 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 do. It said, like, perfumed. Yeah, the heavily perfumed smell of melange. Like, do they add stuff to it? Like, is there more than just spice in there? Oh, it's probably like spice on spice on spice. So, like, spiced up the spice. Yeah. Blitz Girl here on YouTube says, talking about Edric, what's he going to do? Kill Paul with bubbles? <laughs> Great point. Great point. What's he going to do? He's in a tank. <laughs> so Paul then continues their conversation, the kind of crux of the chapter here. To kill a god, that's very interesting. Hmm. But who says I'm a god? Hmm. Right? That, that is the question. Who says hmm. so? Edric now looks at Stilgar like, um, that guy. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Awkward. Those who worship you, blah, blah, blah. It seems to most observers, however, that you conspire to make a god of yourself. And no one might ask you, and one might ask you, is that something any mortal can do safely? Paul studied the guildsman. He was ugly, but he asked good questions. <laughs> this is something Paul would ask himself time and time again. He'd seen enough outcomes on the timeline to know there are worse outcomes than accepting Godhead for himself. Actually, there were much worse outcomes. But these are not normal lanes for a steersman to probe. Why did he ask these questions? Why do you think, Evan, he started asking these questions about, can you kill a god? Um, I mean, I think they talk about it later, but it seems like he's pushing, he's pushing the limits, right? Right. Like uh my toddler, right? Mm -hmm. When I say, Hey, you're not going outside, close the door, and she like inches the door almost <laughs> closed and then just stares at me. Yeah. What she's doing is like, how much can I get away with? Like how what is the limit here? What's the threshold here that I can get away with? And eventually I'm like close the door or bad things are going to happen. She's like, <laughs> okay, close Fine. the door. You know, um, that's, yeah. that's what he's doing is, is, is like pushing, pushing the limits. Right. And I, yeah. He's, he's they, it's part of the, the conspiracy, right? He needs to push Paul towards a limit. Mm -hmm. 
right? And he needs, because the whole goal is they need Paul to kill himself. Right. They can't do it. So he's starting the, that domino in his mind. Can you kill a god? Mm-hmm. Because there is that kind of divinity around himself. Right. With legions of people that follow him. Right. And, and I think also if they can kill the faith that people have in him, mm-hmm. then uh, then that also kills kill it kills his power, not just his physical being. You know what I mean? Right. Because then it, you could, if you could just just kill him, he'd be a martyr. But if you can kill people's faith in him, right? It it's easier to get rid of him. Great point. Okay. There's a lot of three hundred parallels. Okay. Here. All right. I don't know if you if you picked up on that or not, but I'm with, you know I'm me, with. I'm always connecting it to different things, right? Yeah, let's go. What do you see? So in 300, you have Xerxes, the mm-hmm. the big bad guy, and at the you know, spoilers for 300, uh, at the years, end, uh, Leonidas, you know, throws the spear at Xerxes, and it doesn't like hit him in the chest or anything. It just like clips his face and his like piercings that he had on his face, right? And Xerxes is like bleeding out and he's like, Oh gosh. But that showed his followers that he's not a God. He's a man and he can bleed. Right. Right. So that's one, that's one parallel. The other one is from the famous, like this is Sparta kick. Scene. Oh, right. yes, yes, yes. Um, Edric is saying all of these things that are like, would be a problem usually. Right. And um, Paul in this moment is kind of like Leonidas, just like receiving the message. But the difference is Leonidas then says like, hey, sucks to suck. You shouldn't have said that. (laughs) You're going to die now. This is Sparta and kicks him into the big hole. Right. Right. Paul never does that. As much as Stilgar wants him to. Right. He never does it. Yes. All right, so Paul is thinking, why does he ask these questions? Then his mind goes into like extreme mentat mode. The associate... you think his eyes flipped? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he's so good he doesn't need to anymore. Oh, good point. Um, is the association with the Teilaxu, are they behind this? The Jihad's recent victory could bear on Edric's attention. There are also various Bene Gesserit creeds that are showing themselves in this kind of logic. So Paul asked, does a steersman question the guidelines of prescience? Bum, bum, bum. Because who would know? They, they both know about prescience really well. Right. So this is the person to have the conversation with. This question disturbed the fish man, but he recovered well. No man of intelligent questions the fact of prescience, sire. Ocular vision has been known to men since most ancient times. It has a way of in, entangling us when we least suspect. Luckily, blah, 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 there are other forces in our universe. Paul pressed him. Ooh, okay, continue. Greater than prescience? Edric basically says prescience alone would lead to complete de- degeneration. Paul agrees. Hmm. There's always the human situation, Edric replies, which I think is funny. The human situation. We're, I'm going to ask you what you think about what he's talking about here because I'm not so sure I even know. Edric replies, a precarious thing at best. No, Edric is not human anymore. He is a fish man. Right. I don't think he knows what the human situation is. <laughs> Without confusing it with hallucinations, Paul responds, are my visions no more than hallucinations? He asked in mock sadness. Or do you imply that my worshippers hallucinate? So what do you think he's being by the human situation? Uh, my assumption was like user error. Okay. Right? Like humans getting things wrong and in so doing adding chaos to like mm. the the realm of possibility you know what i mean um so like 
the randomness. I like that. That's a good point. Right. Like if, if decision-making is what is altering the flow of time, then like a human person could make a decision that affects that flow of time as much as uh, maybe in some ways, as much as Paul can. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 And then they also talk about how like humans almost want to be able to, they wish they could know everything and happening in the future. But if they did, it would just ruin them completely. Right. And they would know what would make good decisions. And then he's implying that like there is the worshipers, they want to have this prescience, right? They have, they're doing tarot cards or taking spice at like trying to have these visions to mm-hmm. be connected to Paul or Aaliyah in some way. Are those hallucinations? Probably, maybe. Um, so there's, but there's that impl- imp- implication that the worshipers are uh, fake or false. Yeah. Stilgar takes one step closer to Paul, his eyes glued on the fish man in the tank. Edric protests. Oh, blah, 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 blah. You twist my words, sir. Everyone can feel the violence suspended in these words. Paul thinks to himself, violence? Here? They wouldn't dare. Unless they go plans on replacing him right here and now. Maybe the guild wants to replace Paul. Maybe the guild wants to replace Edric. Who knows? Who's killing who here? <laughs> Paul pitched his voice so only Stilgar and Edric could hear him. You accuse me of conspiring to make a god of myself? Conspire? Really? Which I think he's also pointing like, you know, Edric, that you're a part of the conspiracy. I know that you're a part of the conspiracy. Yeah. I know why you're here. Really? That's like the double meaning, right? Yeah. And then, of course, Edric tries to backpedal. Oh, no, he found out. Oh, no, I'm, I'm my cover is blown. A, a poor choice of words, perhaps, my lord. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but significant, Paul says. It is, says you expect the worst of me. Edric is now straining his fat little fish neck to stretch and look at Stilgar with a side eye with a note of apprehension. <laughs> like, what am I about to say? Please don't kill me. People always expect the worst of the rich and powerful, sir. It is said one can always tell an aristocrat, aristocrat, blah, blah, blah. He reveals only those of his vices which make him popular. A tremor passed across Stilgar's face. All right, Evan. What's Paul's vice that makes him popular? Oh, wow. Uh, it's, when you we need a hint, let me know. I mean... What could it be? Spice? Power? Spice? Spice, that's the thing. Okay, great. He's addicted to, to, to the spice. That's what it's I was like, getting at. It's so like when... Uh, right, it's like when uh, uh, Barack Obama was running for president, he smoked cigarettes, mm-hmm. like, pretty openly. Right. And people were like, wow, look at that. There's a relatable guy right there, you know, and, yep. you know, as becoming president, he quit smoking cigarettes and stuff, but there's still the, the pictures of like him smoking Barack with the cigarette, you know? Yeah. All right. Shout out to Ollie S. He finally made a live Ollie. Good to have you here. Thanks my man for showing up. I really appreciate that. Stay spicy, my friend. All right. Paul felt the room go suddenly dry. There's too many people in this room. The air he breathed passed through too many lungs. The taint of Milan from Edric's tank felt threatening. Who <laughs> might... Uh, what are you, you going to say? So it's just like such a diva moment for Paul. It's like, oh, the air in this room has passed through too many lungs right now. Like, I can't even. You know, he's being real, real diva-ish right now. All right, Julian, it's also your first time here on doing a live. So, hey, congratulations. There's so many people here. For no the first one else. Time. Nobody else is here. No one else's first time is being acknowledged. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
So Paul is like, all right, so if you're inspiring, if you're accusing me of conspiracy, who are we nominating? And who are the who are my accomplices in this? Do you nom do you nominate the the Quizarat, right? The holy missionaries spreading the word that I am their savior and God. Stilgar is now giving Edric the death eyes. And Edric just shrugs, his fishy shrug. Are you suggesting that my missionaries of the holy order, all of them, are preaching subtle falsehood? Edric said he's not accusing Paul of doing anything. Paul rebuttals. Accused or not, you're saying my bishops and I are no are not better than power hungry brigands. Power hungry, sire. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Power tends to isolate those who hold too much of it. Eventually, they lose touch of reality and fall. Yikes. Okay, thoughts on this quote. I talked about this in the Discord in our little Messiah chapter because this quote hits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can think of a of a one example right now. I can think of several. Where the, I mean, in the in world news right now, I don't know if we want to get that spicy, but yeah, that's uh, it's one of those times where you're like, you know, a really good movie when the villain says a really good line, and you're like, "What crap? Do I agree with a villain right now?" That's kind <laughs> of how it feels like a little bit. Yeah, because um, that's not wrong. Power does isolate those who hold too much of it, and they think of themselves too grandiose and they lose touch of reality and i also think that's edric always like speaking that into existence to paul like you have lost touch with reality you are gonna fall and right. you are gonna be your own undoing so still at this gets real pup set and growls at paul my lord you've had men executed for less Paul reminds Stilgar that this is not a man. This is a guild ambassador. And his thinking interests me. Paul asks, how could one uphold such a large fraud over so much time and so much space? Edric says, what religion and self-interest cannot hide? Blah, blah, blah. Governments can. Oh! Paul says, are you testing the limits of my tolerance? Ding, 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 ding. Answer is yes. Yes. Paul, is... Paul gets a prize. <laughs> 10 Get points. A teddy bear. Paul acknowledges that Edric is well-versed in the tools and tricks and lies of statecraft and double meanings and the power of words. Edric says, all rulers are notoriously cynical where religions are concerned. Blah, blah, blah. Religion, too, is a weapon. What manner of weapon is religion when it becomes the government? Paul goes still. Does Edric know who he's talking to? And then he realized maybe he's not the target of this conversation. This is what you were alluding to earlier. Yeah. If we can get the people, because again, there are guards in the room. If we can get them to start like to talk in the, in the commissary or in wherever they're all right. hanging out about right. this conversation, what will that kind of chain reaction will that start? Right, because Stilgar is also playing into his hand right now, into Edric's hand right now. He's like, 100%. you're not going to kill him? Are you kidding me? And the guards yeah. are like, bro, you're not going to kill him? Are you kidding me? You know, like that. Right. Yeah. Only proving Edric's point more. Right. So, yeah. Paul replies, and probably I think frustration at this point, religious manna was thrust upon me. I did not seek it. Right? He's like, it's the... Uh, He's like, the Bene Gesserit set me up. I didn't want to be a god. Like, I kind of fell into their schemes of the missionary protectiva. What? I didn't ask for any of this. And then Edric asked the simple question. Then why have you not disavowed, sire? Blah, blah, blah. Which is, I think, a valid question. If you didn't want it, why didn't you say anything? Right. But Paul goes on. Aaliyah is the reason. She is a goddess. And everyone should be wary of Aaliyah, if we're honest. A gloating smile, B 
began forming in Edric's mouth. I'm deadly serious, Paul said stoically. In a bleak voice, Edric said, you have mauled my confidence in you, sire. Blah, blah, blah. And no doubt that was your intent. Do not be certain you know my intent, Paul said, motioning to Stilgar that this audience was at an end. Get him Stilgar, out of here. Stilgar asked Paul in a hand gesture, should he have Edric killed? Paul says no, unless Stilgar wants to do it himself. In that case, go ahead. <laughs> but he knows he won't, he won't do it. Sightail, Edric's aide, moved to the rear corner of the tank, nudged it towards the door, and when he came opposite of Paul, he stopped, turning that laughing gaze on Paul. If my lord permits, Paul just says yes. And then Sightail continues. Some say that people cling to imperial leadership because space is infinite. They feel lonely without a unifying symbol. For lonely people, the emperor is a definite place. They can turn towards him and say, see, there he is. He makes us one. Perhaps religion serves the same purpose, my lord. Saitel nods, gives Edric's tank a push, and they leave the room. What do you think about Saitel's little dig there at the end? Uh, again, it's like, is he, he's not wrong? He's not wrong. And I think even Paul would be like, he's not wrong. Yeah. You know, I think to the to the the Paul from the first book who dreamed of like having the whole system collapse. Oh, you know, it's heartbreaking because he is the system now. Right. He is right. all he's every system. He is government. He is religion. He is military power. It's right. like he is he is the system. He puts everybody in their place. But yeah, I mean, he probably Paul probably heard that and was like, "Dang, he's right. I could just run away with Chani. We could go become moisture farmers on Tatooine and just like <laughs> disengage, disengage, yeah. disengage, <laughs> disappear, and just let let that be that. You know, let the whole thing come crumbling down." Yeah. Yep. Paul watches as Edric leaves. He, Edric is clearly splint, spent. The conversation took everything out of him. He closes his eyes and relaxes, relaxes his fish-like body. Paul then watches Sightail, remembering their encounter. It was like his entire genetic inheritance lay exposed on his skin. Which, it's like, he's like, oh, that's a face dancer. He, mm -hmm. like, caught it. Yeah. Silver said out loud, that was odd. To no one in particular. Just needed to say it out loud. That last thing he said was weird. We still don't even know, don't even know why Stilgar's here yet. He just showed up. Right. We're going to get to why he's here. Paul then got up from the couch, dimmed the lights, moved towards the window, looking down at some construction happening to Aaliyah's temple. Stilgar confronts Paul. That was a foolish thing to do, you Usul, inviting that creature into the, these chambers. Why did you do that? Data, Paul said. I needed more data. Stilgar asked, isn't it dangerous to approach the situation only as a mentat? Paul was like... Stilgar's starting to get it. Yes. He's slowly picking up on it. And, yeah. that, and I almost feel like this conversation, this whole thing was almost for Stilgar because Paul's going to continue to like... Like, Stilgar's such a good friend and there's like this this love between yeah. them that yeah. he like... I I... He's like, Stilgar, I want you to see this first. Like, I'm so sorry this happened. I need to break this. And I'm going to try with you. Because if you don't, if you get it, maybe there's a chance. Um, and so, yeah, Paul replies that, yes, this was dangerous. Mentat computation is finite, but it has its uses. Stilgar continued. There's always something outside. Some things are best kept outside. Or inside, Paul said. Inside is where the true terror lay. The question is how he protects himself from himself. They certainly were setting him up to destroy himself, but this was a position hemmed in by even more terrible and terrifying possibilities. 
So he he even knows exactly where this is going. Yeah. This is the trap. Just like his father knew the trap in front of him. What's he going to do? It's going to go in the trap. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, Corba of the Quizara surged through the doorway. Oh, hand- this guy. This guy shows up again. His hands are full of sugar wire reels. Corba had come to say that he was disturbed by how they received the guildsmen and that people are saying that Muhadib honors their enemies. Paul says, is that all? Are those the reels I asked for you to bring earlier? Reels? Oh, yes, my lord. Ah, mm, yeah. <laughs> These are the histories. Paul wanted Stilgar to review the histories. Stilgar was now even more upset. He could feel his resentment growing. He had first come here to meet with Paul to review the Zebulon conquest. And then the guild ambassador had intervened, and now Corbo here was here with the histories, like, trying to get do something here. Paul asked Stilgar how much of the history he knows. Stilgar can recount the oral histories of every planet the Fremen have been on. Right? Because in Fremen culture, there was the nightly recital of, of you know, never, never forget. Yeah. Never forgive kind of a thing. So he knows that. And he knows the reaches of the, of the Imperium because, well, he just sent a bunch of legions to conquer it all. So he knows all of that. But Paul interrupts him. The golden age of Earth. Have you ever studied that? Earth? Golden age? Stilgar was puzzled. Why would Paul wish to discuss myths from the dawn of time? So now, we've already discussed this on the show. Earth, golden age. This dune happens in our timeline, our universe. Our universe, yeah. Um. Do you, uh, Evan? Do you think we currently are living in a golden age of Earth? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Okay. I do because because if you're looking at it from that far ahead, mm-hmm. an age is going to be a lot longer. You know what I mean? So, like, he talks about. You know, we brought this up earlier, but like he's he's brings up now like the golden age of Earth, and he goes as far back as Genghis Khan. True, true. And he talks about everything from like Genghis Khan, and he talks about Hitler, and I'm assuming like past where we are in the timeline right now. Yeah. That's all the gold, the golden age of Earth. You know. Like we're closer to Hitler than Hitler was to Genghis Khan. Right. It's all right. we've got to be in the golden age here. So hey, congratulations, everybody. We this is the good times. You don't know you're in them till you leave them. Or at least the interesting times. At least the interesting times, for right. sure. Before we expand into space and the hellish version of space just takes us to weird places. Yeah. And Elon's working on that, so we're we're getting there. We're almost at the end. Hold on tight. <laughs> so still again, Stilgar's mad. Why are we discussing the histories? Myths, he says. Stilgar's brain is full of Zebulon data, computation from staff mentats, frigates, legions, missionaries, foods, uniforms, medals, urns for the ashes of the dead, spies upon spies, etc., etc., etc. Corba pipes up. I uh, brought the pulse synchronizer attachment also, my lord. Stilgar was now even more confused. Why do we need to scan for specific data in the histories? This is Mentat work. Stilgar finally decided to tell Paul why he'd come. Sire, I came with the Zebulon computations. Paul snapped at him. Dehydrate the Zebulon computations. Did you like that 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 dig there? Dehydrate? Oh, no. Yeah. Basically, F the F the Zabulon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stilgar was taken aback. What? Paul then tells him, Stilgar needs a sense of balance. He needs to see something that takes looking back in time and seeing all of humanity. Any data, history that was remaining from before the Butlerian Jihad, 
which had just been given to Stilgar. This is all of their records from before the robot war where we killed all the AI. So where does Paul tell Stilgar to start? Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. Stilgar says, was he a Sardaukar? <laughs> Paul says, oh, Stilgar. You <laughs> silly, mean, silly man. They could be, they have similar attributes, but kind of different. <laughs> Paul says he existed long before that. He killed 4 million people. Genghis Khan kills the way Paul kills people. How does Paul kill people? Uh, with orders. Orders. Yeah. And legions. Yeah. And like purposeful people killing for him to spread the message. Right. He's leading he's leading armies that are doing the actual killing, but he is doing the killing. Right. Yeah. Paul also went to Stilgar to review another emperor besides Genghis Khan. Oh man. Sorry. Somebody just did this comment. Jillian did a comment. They both do Mongolian throat singing. Wow. Oh man. That was good. That is so good. Just gonna casually drop that in there. Oh, was he a Sardaukar? Oh boom. <laughs> that was that was fantastic. Okay. Woo. Come back to come back here. <laughs> All right. So it's Paul went still got to review somebody else. Who's he want him to review? I like okay. It's Hitler, but I like how he says it. Um, he says there's another emperor I want you to note in passing. Uh, Hitler is his name. He just like very casually drops Hitler, and he doesn't even say like Adolf Hitler, the the, the Fuhrer, very no. terrible, awful, worst of Earth's golden age. He says some like some Hitler guy. Check that out too because uh, it's worth noting. A footnote, go check it out. Right. If like yeah, he killed six million, it's only two more million than Genghis Khan, which is pretty good for those days. <laughs> That's what he says. And then Stilgar says, six million people killed by his legion? That isn't very impressive statistics. Bum bum bum. Very good still. Paul looked at the reels in Corba's hands. Corba is still just standing there holding these like sugar wire reels. If there's anyone nerdier than Edric, it's Corba. <laughs> and Corba's now staring blankly like, uh, am I supposed to be here for this conversation? He wished he could just drop everything and run away, but he's still just standing there frozen. Statistics, Paul said. Let's go back to it. At a conservative estimate, I've killed 61 billion, sterilized 90 planets, completely demoralized 500 others. I've wiped out followers of over 40 religions, which had existed since... This was way too much for Corbett to handle. Unbelievers! Corbett protested. Unbelievers! All! No, Paul said. Believers. Right. They're believers. They believed something else, but they were they were believers, just like you are a believer. Exactly. So calm your titties, Corbett, like... Come on now. Like, I think about Thanos, right? He just went around and sterilized his planets, killing right. off the half population. Paul is in that same line. Right. He is doing this awful thing, sterilized 90 planets. Okay, think about, like, Star Wars Emperor has nothing on Paul. Oh, yeah, for sure. He killed one planet. Right. Maybe in the new ones, in the in the sequel trilogy they killed like three at one time not 90 like <laughs> i just just in case we didn't miss it here jacob johnson says here in youtube <laughs> frank gives us all of the red flags all the if, red flags if you thought paul was the good guy up until this chapter you're feeling your cognitive dissonance is kicking in hardcore at this point yep what is happening? We are Corba in most of this. No, they believe the unbelievers. Nobody had a good reason. Yeah. My liege makes a joke, Corba said, voice trembling. The jihad brought tens of thousands of worlds into the shining light of 
into the darkness, Paul said, will be a hundred generations recovering from Muhad's jihad. I find it hard to imagine that anyone will ever surpass this. And then a barking laugh erupts from his throat. <laughs> Stilgar's perplexed at what, what's happened. What? What amuses Muhadib? Why did you laugh like that? I am not amused. I merely had a sudden vision of the Emperor Hitler saying something similar. Hm. No doubt he did. All right. Taylor D. on YouTube says, rereading these books, knowing Paul's a bad guy is like a million times more fascinating and you can't unsee it. This chapter did that. He just ripped the veil. You can't unsee it anymore. It's happening. Yeah. I just, there were some good lessons learned along the way. <laughs> yeah. Not thinking he was the bad guy. But I see your point, good sir. <laughs> Frank is just nailing it home. But something happens really here in the prescience that I need to highlight. Um, Paul was experiencing Hitler in a prescient vision in history. So the Bene Gesserit go backwards, right? They can yeah. experience past memories. Paul can go forward. He can do both at one time. Right. He is experiencing He's when he says that I find it hard to imagine that anyone will ever surpass this. He is in Hitler's body remembering Hitler saying it at that one time. The Quizrach Hatterach can mm. uh I didn't bend, know he could just go wherever in time and space. Mm. He can be multiple places at once. Like there's that and that's just something that happens there that I don't think we've hap happened with him before. So it's that like there's a my note, he's experiencing it as Hitler is saying it. They're both saying it at the same time. I thought he was just like picturing Hitler saying it. That's right. He was. We have not dug into how this this types of prescience work. But it, he had a vision. He's like, weird. That's weird. I had a vision. It's like his first time doing this, too. Oh, okay. He's like, this is weird. What is this? Because remember, the goal of prescience for, happens. All right. So it's the beginning of, of book three in Dune, right? He's about to ride the sandworm. And he's caught up in his memories. And he doesn't know what's real and what's not. Mm -hmm. And he says, the goal is to see the future like you see the past. That's where we're, they're shooting for that. This is like a glimpse into that a little bit. Okay. It's a little bit we're doing it. So, yeah, there's a lot there. All right. So Paul was in this moment twice, right? He's in both places at once. Corba now had to say something, right? He has to. He is the fool in this scenario. He, he's got to play his role. No other ruler has ever had your powers. Who would dare challenge you? Your legions control the known universe and all the... And then Paul cuts him off. The legions control. Huh. I wonder if they know this. <laughs> right? So I think about the Romans, right? The, the Caesar technically rules the legions. But afterwards, the legions were given cities to rule. Lots of cities sprouted up because they were old like Roman troop legions that were left over. Yeah. They ruled. So I think Paul is thinking to himself, wait, if I leave, the legions could govern. Right. Like that's how it would work. He's like, how do I leave my job? How do I work my work my way out of the job? Yeah. He's like, how can I quit and go hang out with Chani on Tupile or something? Stilgar interrupts, right? And Feeling his sense of power in the chain of command. You control your legion, sire. Do I? <laughs> Having completed his mission with Stilgar, putting him in the exact headspace he wants, he moves all of his attention to Korba. Paul does. Which I think is kind of what's, what Edric was doing with Paul, trying to put him in a headspace. Right. Right? So now, now we're focusing directly on Korba. 
Put the reels here on the couch. Corber did as he was told. Talking to Corber again, Paul asked, How does the reception go, Corba? Does my sister have everything well in hand? Uh, yes, my lord. <laughs> Corba's tone was wary. And Shawnee watches from the spy hole. She suspects there are to be Sardaukar in the guild entourage. No doubt she's correct, Paul said. The jackals gather. So here's a question. Do you remember what the Carinos were doing with the Sardaukar on Seleucus Secundus? It happened in the in the meeting briefing chapter. Oh. And they're like, Irulan, what's your dad doing? And Paul was like, ah, oh, leave him alone. He's fine. They were like scheming. They were like hatching up some plan to take back the throne, or at least it seemed that way. Yeah, they're doing landing drills. Yeah. It's like, um, crap. The only thing I can think of is in recent events. Um, it's like when uh, all of the Ukrainian and said, we're not going to attack. It's like, yeah. we're doing landing drills. And Paul's like, nah, never mind, whatever. So, of course, they're there. Um, or like North so Korea with missile, missile. Right. Strike, or like their missile, their nuke attempts or whatever. Your launches, or they're like constantly trying to set things up. Yeah. But usually the vibe is like, man, eh, don't worry about them. They're going to, they're not, they're not going to do anything. So it's obviously <laughs> it's that, fun. yeah. So it's going to be fine. But of course, there are a Sardaukar here. Yeah. So there, there had been an issue. There was some confusion in the formal gardens, and some people had trampled on plants. Whack. Which, in any other circumstance, would be completely normal. But on Arrakis, not cool, bro. Plants are hard to come by. Yeah. <laughs> they take a lot of work. And this is funny. The, um, the ambassador then says, is this the way our taxes are being spent? Which I think is really funny. Their tax, uh, you tax us the guild and you spend it on plants. Why would you do that? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. It's just so typical. <laughs> Paul, <laughs> Paul says he isn't surprised. Stilgar reports there were lots of strangers in the gardens. Paul was studying Stilgar. Stilgar was suspicious now profoundly suspicious of his emperor's odd behavior. Paul says he doesn't like the intrusion in the gardens. Courtesy is one thing. Formal necessities, greeting an envoy. But this, Corbett pipes up. Oh, I'll see them. I'll see to removing them immediately. Wait, Paul orders. Stop. Corbett freezes like, ugh, mid-step. The whole room freezes for that matter. Stilgar repositions himself slightly just to see Paul's face. Paul asked him, what time is it? Corba responds that it's almost midnight. Paul looked at Corba saying, Corba, I think you may be my finest creation. Corba was shocked, almost injured by the way Paul said it. Do you feel awe of me? Paul asked. Like, very personal question here. You are Paul Muhadib, who was Usul in our siege. You know my devotion to you. Paul cut him off. Have you ever felt like an apostle? Corba obviously misunderstanding these words, but correctly interpreting the tone, says, my emperor knows I have a clean conscience. Paul murmured to himself, Shai Halud save us. <laughs> Which I funny is just the we talk about Carl in the beginning with the nod to the worm, and here's the worm again. Shahu, please just eat everybody up. I don't want to deal with this anymore. <laughs> There was an, a beat of awkward silence. They could hear somebody whistling in the hall outside. Finally, Paul says to Corba, Corba, I think you may survive all of this. Which is such an ominous thing to tell somebody. This whole, like, Paul is just speaking to Corba. It's going right over his head. And right. Corba has no idea what's happening. <laughs> and he's just the whole time is like, uh, thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I... I want yeah. to leave now. Yeah, you're you're nice. I li I like you. <laughs> I will go now. Still, got reminded Paul they still need to do something about the guests in the garden. Paul says the commander was to clean it up and Corba was to assist. 
Paul then speaking to Corba, but directing his words at Stilgar said, some of my friends have forgotten they were once Fremen. Ooh. Which is, yeah, it's kind of true. They've kind of found some opulence here, but what are Fremen known for? Come on, they're known for killing people and taking their water. You will make you will mark down the ones Chani identifies as Sardaukar, and you'll have them killed. Do it yourself. I want it done quietly with an undue disturbance. We must keep in mind there's more to religion and government than approving treaties and sermons. There's bum, also bum. killing people. Killing people. Bum, bum, bum. That's some spicy right there. <laughs> so true. All right. <laughs> Corbett just whispers, I, or, I, ob- I obey the orders of Muad'Dib. Stilgar just wants to come back to the point he originally came for. Can I just, can you please just check my homework? <laughs> I came here to talk about this. Like, and when I think about going back to the Hitler thing, um, like even in lots of wars, right? There's a lot of logistics that has to happen and those have to be checked. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, you can miss what's actually happening. Are we fighting for the right reasons? No matter what side you're on, are are you doing things? Has has your humanity slowly died in the logistics of it? Yes, yes. Okay, so it makes this that specifically makes me think of Band of Brothers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Where uh, there's this one scene. Where and I'm always, I feel like I'm always connecting this to other things, but helpful. Go ahead. Um, they're like the soldiers of Easy Company are like walking down, and there's a couple German prisoners, mm-hmm. and one of them's like, Yeah, I wonder where the Krauts are from, you know, like being real snooty about it. And one of the German soldiers says, like, Oh, I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan, or something like real American, yeah. And the soldier stops like, oh, no way. I'm from, you know, D- Detroit. What's going on? And they, like, have a conversation. And he's like, my parents are German, so I ended up going back to Germany to s- serve in this army where I could have very easily been next to you. And there's that that moment of the this American soldier like, oh, shoot. Like, this kid is, like, t- 30 minutes down the road from me. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But he happens to be on the other side. And then he like walks away and then somebody just shoots all of the German prisoners. Ugh. Yeah. It's I guess we're we're losing and, and I guess that's what Paul wants Stilgar to find a sense of humanity again. You need a sense of balance. You're too caught up in the numbers and the logistics and the royalty and the formalities and the religion of all of this. And you're missing the picture. So I need you to look at this in a wider point of view, right? So Paul says, tomorrow, and when the strangers are removed from the gardens, announce the reception is ended. The party is over still. I think that's deep. The the party's over. We had our fun. We had our run. The Fremen are on top. But it's over. It's done. It's it's done. Paul just says, I understand, my lord. I'm sure you do, Paul said. Stilgar said, I understand, my lord. Oh, yeah. Stilgar says, I understand, my lord. I'm sure you do, Paul said. And thus ends the chapter. Yes. Here we are. Here we are. (sighs) The end. I'm glad we got through this. Um, I think I hit all the points I wanted to hit. The prescient moment. Obviously, the Hitler thing. Um, Edric being a jerk. Uh, Stilgar, Paul trying to get Stilgar to see what's happening because he's trying to save his friend. Right. And yeah, this is kind of our thesis. Can you topple a god? How do you do it? And this is exactly how you do it. You gotta, he's got the the conspiracy is trying to get Paul to undermine himself and it looks like he's just going to walk into doing that. He sees the error of his ways. A hundred percent. This is kind of still why I like Paul. He still sees it. Right. He's not caught up in the comp. He's not caught up in the glory in being worshipped. You know? Right. He's not like stoked about how many people he's killed. He's just like, holy crap. Has yes. this gotten away from us? Right. A hundred percent. 
Yeah. So uh, if you want to support the show, we can go to patreon.com slash reading Dune. Another way to support the show, going to readingdune.com and getting some merch. Yeah. If you, want, if you want to hang out with us, we will be in the Dune Discord. There should be a link in the description um, right after this to chat with the people because there's a bunch of people that show up and we all talk about Dune in this chapter. And this chapter is so pivotal to the story of Dune because, like, we talked about maybe in the introduction, some of us missed it when reading Dune. Frank puts it in your face. Yeah. This is the chapter he puts it in your face. Yeah. Do you sure. see what you're doing when you follow charismatic leaders too hard? Do you right. see that you get caught up in the computations? You get caught up in thinking you're right. You become Corba. You become Stilgar and not see the bigger picture. So, uh, with that note, everyone, stay spicy, and we will see you in the next chapter. Peace. Peace.